brand new series called Seven Things Christians Believe That the Bible Doesn't Say. Many things that people believe about God and their identity are these lies because we believe the Bible. So this series is dedicated to exposing harmful, destructive beliefs so that people can truly enter vibrant relationship with God, the God who loves them more than he loves his own life. Baxter Kruger said, what we're witnessing right now in this shift culturally, in the Christian culture, in the culture of faith, what we're witnessing is the recovery of the ancient gospel. And I know it's scaring some people because they think that it's so foreign and it's so different and different from what I've believed, of course, in the past. But uh, even, even those who criticize some of the things that I'm going to be saying will call it deception and of the de devil and he's gone off the deep end and those kind of things. So Baxter says, we're witnessing the recovery of the ancient gospel, but coupled with something, coupled with the growing despair of good people. There are a lot of good people in churches who are leaving because they're tired of it. They're tired of the mess. They're tired of compromising what they feel inside is right, but they're being preached to that the Bible says something quite different than what they know in their heart and spirit is right. Let me give you the seven topics that we're going to be discussing in this series. Number one is today. You are lost, separated from God, and need to receive Jesus into your heart. Now keep in mind, these are seven things that Christians widely believe, but the Bible doesn't say. Number one, you are lost, separated from God, and you need to receive Jesus into your heart. Number two, next week, Jesus suffered God's wrath on the cross in order to forgive our sin with the goal of going to heaven, of course. Week number three, God is returning to judge this sinful world in his wrath. Christians widely believe that, but the Bible doesn't say it. Week four, you must be born again to be saved. I've believed that all my life until I found out that the Bible doesn't say that. Oh, and all unsaved people, people, all people that are not born again are going to go to hell. Week number five, the Bible is inerrant, and unless you believe that, you are not of the true Christian faith. Week number six, suffering, failure, or lack are all evidence of a lack of faith or the presence of sin on your part. And number seven, singing and giving thanks moves God to be present. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how many of you can stay with me. I, 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 expect, I expect the crowd to thin a little bit. It did when Jesus spoke. I mean, the scripture says they all left him. And just the 12 were sitting there and saying, well, we're going to hang with you. <laughs> all right. First, I, I want to ask you a quick question. Were you taught in your religious training that God is holy you are sinful, and because of this, God has separated himself from you. Could I just get a show of hands or a nod of the head out in the live stream audience? Yeah? 
Again, were you taught in your religious training that God is holy, you are sinful, and because of this, God has separated himself? Uh, we have a universal absolutely yes, and I dare say this is what you were taught as well. Much of this kind of thinking goes back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, quote, fell. So let's go there. It's the idea of separation and that we have to get back. So this is the history of the fall. We're separated and we have to get back. So this is the big lie that you are not already like God. If you believe in separation, you have to find a way back, which Western evangelicalism will come along and furnish you with lots of programs and processes and procedures for you to get back. And they don't all agree on the process. This assumption of separation depends on three things. Number one, that Eve's sin was, quote, an evil choice to disobey. When the scripture says it wasn't that at all, Scripture says in 2 Timothy 2.14 that she was deceived. So in other words, Genesis is an account of needing a hospital, not a courtroom. Number two, God was angry with Adam and Eve, and so he threw them out of the garden. That's actually not in the story or the account of Genesis at all. And number three, God throws them out of his presence because he is holy which also isn't true. In fact, he's the one that gave them coverings of animals. He's the one that covered them and then began a process of relating to them even in their, quote, fallenness when they believed the lie that they were not already like God. You see, religion is the opiate of the masses because it preaches distance and separation. I think we have a slide on that, and I know Jeff's going to be having these slides up in a very timely way. Yes, thank you very much. See, I can't ever see what's going up on the screen. I have to just uh, believe God that it's happening. So anyway, <laughs> yes, I do have to have faith, and I do have faith in our, our great sound group people and sound team. Religion is the opiate of the masses. You've heard that said. Communist leaders have said that. Religion is the opiate of the masses. And why do they say that? Because almost all religion teaches you that God is distant and that you have to do something to get back to them. And so here comes religion to offer you a way, a process, a set of steps for spiritual laws for you to get back to God. And in comes just about every means of you finding peace in your life. Much of it, deception. Separation is the foundation of all religion. It's the birthplace of religion. It's the lie of evil from the fall. Now, it's we who introduce darkness into the equation, not God, right? Evil is just an absence of light. Think about this. Evil is an illusion to God. I mean, it's very real to us. Of course, we experience it, especially in a, quote, fallen world. But it's an illusion to God. Evil is just the absence of his light. 
I want to show you two classic illustrations that I have I learned from the youngest of age as a Christian. In fact, one of them is one of the images in the track, the, the, the spiritual track, the Bible track, that was so popular, pervasive in all of Western evangelicalism, called the Four Spiritual Laws. See if you recognize it. Could we have that first illustration there? Right? Holy God, sinful man. I grew up with that. You just told me. So did you, right? Next illustration, please. All right? And so, because God is holy and I am sinful, there is this separa separation. And, it, and it's, a, it's pictured as a, a, a chasm that you cannot cross. People are sinful, and they're going to hell. They're all going to die. God gave us a gift, eternal life, through his son Jesus. And throw, so some show this chasm being uh, uh, bridged through the cross and that we have to walk across on the cross in order to, quote, get back to God. But the point is, we start out separated from God. None of this, the fall, original sin, separation, all of it is lies, and none of it was in Paul's gospel. Here's his answer to it all. He writes this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. I, I don't have to get to him. He died for me. And he didn't ask my opinion, by the way. Then a couple of verses down, further down, he says, For if we, when we were God's enemies, now God didn't consider you that, I considered myself that, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That's the way Paul thought. There was no separation, there is no separation, because you are in Christ. The problem isn't separation from God, like he's too holy. It's the alienation that we have in our own mind. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22. And you were at one time strangers and enemies in your minds as expressed through your evil deeds. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through death. I used to be alienated from God, not because of something he did, not because he's holy, I'm sinful, so he put me out of his presence, but because of stinking thinking. Say it. Stinking thinking. That's the most cursing some of you have done in years. It's just so holy. <laughs> stinking thinking. Yeah, no, we... I mean, the church is filled with stinking thinkers. And I've been a stinking thinker. I viewed God as alienated. Now, he wasn't alienated. Paul says, I was alienated in my mind. And therefore, 
I express this through evil deeds. Evil deeds are a result of me being alienated in my mind, thinking I'm separated from God, thinking I've got to get to him. And you know what Paul said? The strength of sin is the law. You don't become more effective in your Christian walk by listening to and constantly reminding yourself of all the do's and the don'ts, the have not, the touch not, the taste not, the can't, I can't. In the Mirror Translation by Francois Dutrois, he says this of Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Your indifferent mindset alienated you from God into a lifestyle of annoyances, hardships, and labors. Yet he has now fully reconciled and restored you to your, watch it, original design. What original design? Your created design, your sonship your daughtership. And so he follows this with a note in his translation. Quote, the entire fall was the falling away in our minds from our true identity as image and likeness bearers of Elohim. Just like Eve, we were all deceived to believe a lie about ourselves, which is the fruit of the I am not tree. God found us in Christ before he lost us in Adam. We are presented blameless in innocence before him. See, Jesus came to come into our delusion and turn the lights on. Isn't that fantastic? Jesus didn't come to forgive you, to die on the cross of God's wrath and pay a penalty for sin and all that. He came as a human being, God incarnate flesh, to climb into my messiness, my darkness. And it was that darkness that put him on the cross. It was that sinfulness that put him on the cross. And he chose to go, but not as payment. I wasn't separated in the first place. There was nothing to pay for. All right, let me say it this way, because some of you are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. You don't receive Jesus into your heart. He has received you into his. Western evangelicalism says this. Here's the good news. Jesus opened the possibility of salvation for all. You are invited to receive Jesus into your life. If you do, he will forgive you and save you. If you don't, God will execute his retributive wrath. He's been holding on to it since the garden. By sending you into eternal conscious torment. Hell. Now, here's the scripture. <laughs> this is the good news that Paul preached. Jesus has already included you into his life, into his relationship with Father and Holy Spirit. Believing this or not doesn't change the reality of what God has already done in Christ. See, you can believe it or not. God's already done it. See, while we were yet enemies, while I was yet a sinner, 
Christ died for me. He didn't ask my opinion. Believing this or not doesn't change the reality of what God already did in Christ. Your believing this doesn't make it more true. It's done. This is the good news. And it so upset the religious world of that time because the religious world of that time was filled with process and rules and laws of how to get back to God when he never left. That was the lie in the garden. You are not like God. God knows that in the day you eat of it, you will become like God. Right? How's my quote doing? God knows that in the day you eat of this tree, Adam and Eve, Eve, he was speaking to it in the moment, that you will become more like God. Well, what's that saying? We'll just put it in reverse. You are not like God. There's something you need to do to become more like God, so eat this. It's the great lie. The great, quote, fall wasn't disobedience. The great fall was believing a lie. God didn't wait for me to make a choice. His incarnation, that is, God coming into human flesh and joining heaven with earth, did not require my decision. Did not require your decision. God acted universally on behalf of the entire human race. Watch this. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures because we, we frankly, we just have not read these in our Bibles. So I'm going to go through several now. They'll be on the screen. God acted universally when Jesus, through his death, reconciled you to God and did away with that alienation that is in our minds. John chapter 12, verse 32. When I am lifted up from the earth, then all humanity will be drawn to me. That word drawn comes from the Greek word to drag. I tell you, God will stay after you. He loves you. You are his kid. Let me ask you parents something. Has your child been, ever been in danger like running into the street? And you reached out and you grabbed them just in time and drugged them out of danger. And wouldn't you do the same thing today? You'd do the same thing today through a phone call, through a visit, through whatever means you had to, because why? They are your kid. <laughs> There's no alienation there. Now, they may not be acting like it. They may not be acting like you want them to, but there's nothing that can ever change the fact they are your kid. I am their father. You are their mother. And you would drag them. When I am lifted up, Jesus said, I will drag. I'm going to drag humanity unto me. It might take a lot of years. It might take your whole life. God's drawing you. Number two. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. As through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, 
The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only but also for the whole world and I used to preach this 180 degrees different because I believed in the lie of separation so I had to tell people they were separated from God and had to do something to get back to him thus the four spiritual laws thus sermon after sermon on being committed, living the right way, coming to church, being a good person. And the more I preached on that, the less people wanted to do it. (laughs) So I stopped preaching on it. And now we're completely rebuilding. Hey, important notice, okay, disclaimer, Everybody listening, look up here. Important notice, disclaimer. My daily choice will determine the degree to which I live in fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or to continue in the blindness and darkness which creates a world of servitude for me. All right. You can ignore his presence. You can say, I don't want this. Now, it doesn't change the fact that he's made you again and reconciled you in Christ. All right. doesn't change that. doesn't change his love for you. But it will create a world of servitude for you because you got to serve somebody. Anybody ever heard that song? You can hear it, right? Bob Dylan's voice. You're going to serve somebody. Might be the devil or it might be, right? But you're going to serve somebody. It just doesn't change God's love for you. It doesn't mean that there's separation or a chasm. Our ongoing choices matter. Bondage to darkness, slave to flesh, living beneath our sonship, all of that will be the result of choices, the fruit, if you will, of sowing and reaping. All right, so here's the, here's the big deal, everybody. We're going to ask some questions now. I'm going to grill you on this. You ready? All right, we're going to have a test when I finish this. We have to discover... Not that Jesus came to forgive us, save us, and take us to heaven, but Jesus came to reveal God in you. Now, this is Paul's great Magna Carta. You know what that means, right? Magna Carta. That's a document constituting a fundamental guarantee of rights and privileges. Here is Paul's Magna Carta. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Even the life I'm living right now, I'm not living by my faith. 
or my effort. I'm living by his faithfulness. Doesn't that take the pressure off? When you realize it's even his faith, not you trying to gin it up, but it's his faith. It's his faithfulness. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus' mission wasn't to come reach us externally, purchase a ticket of salvation for us, and if we accept, then we can get on the train to go to heaven someday. What Jesus did is reach inside of our broken minds and the darkness of our choices. Jesus came into the world of destruction, of our darkness, alienation, and our flesh fruit. That was God's response to the delusion of separation. Separation is a delusion. It's not true. It isn't real. It's a lie, and the Bible doesn't say it. And God's response to that delusion of separation introduced through Adam and Eve in the garden was, no, 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 I will not give up on you. I'm not going to give up on my kids. You are not separated from me. And all of this time, he's been pulling and tugging and some cases dragging you in his love out of harm's way. Jesus gave us his own communion and fellowship with the Father. We don't have to work for it. He brought us into his own communion with the Father. Listen to this, John chapter 17, the prayer that Jesus prayed back to God. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me, for your love will now live in them even as I live in them. Where is Jesus? Come on, where is Jesus? Could you point to where Jesus is? It says he lives in you. Well, it also says then that there is an endless love the same love God has for Jesus, he has for you. And it's endless. There's no separation. Jesus says, I came to do what? Say it. Reveal this to you. Look at the scripture. Jeff, please, again. I have revealed. What did he reveal? Who you are. Your endless love and the fact that I am in you, they are in us, we are one. That's what he came to reveal. He did not come to forgive your sins, shed his blood, stay the wrath of God against us so that I could go to heaven. He came to reveal that there is no separation. Now, we're going to deal with those other things. Week four, we're going to deal with being born again. What does that mean? Week two and three, we're going to deal with the wrath of God. And so why did Jesus die on the cross? Salvation doesn't begin. Now, we actually have a question regarding this. I want you to look at the slide. Salvation doesn't begin or become true when we believe. Believing is the beginning of our discovery of non-separation, our co-inclusion in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. See, Paul said it this way. 
Galatians 1, chapter 15 to 16. I've never seen this scripture before I was reading after Baxter Kruger. What a theologian. Man of God, still alive today. I believe he's in his 60s, mid-60s, late 60s, preaching and teaching and traveling. One of the great theologians in the earth today. Here's what he pointed out about Galatians 1. I just never had seen it. Watch this. Paul is speaking. He says, but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb. When did he do it? In his mother's womb. Was that before Paul had ever, quote, sinned? Yes, in the mother's womb. And he called me by what? My works? My good good works? My worthiness? No, by his grace. Was pleased to unveil his son in me so that I might announce the good news about him among the nations. Immediately I did not confer with flesh and blood. Why? He didn't want to get talked out of it. He didn't want to get messed up in his theology. He didn't want to start believing a lie like we have believed in Western evangelicalism that we're separated from God and we have to work our way back to him through some sort of process or four spiritual laws. Paul said, look, before I was even born, God called me and in his grace he loved me and then He was pleased to unveil Jesus in me. Oh my goodness, dear ones. I just have to believe the Holy Spirit is drip, drip, drip. Would you do that, drip? Put your hand up and say drip, drip. I I know I'm asking you to drip, (laughs) drip. I'm asking you to get involved here. What I'm trying to do, I want you to wake up here and see. The Holy Spirit, little by little, and it takes years, is dripping the ancient gospel and saying to you, look, before you were born, you were reconciled. Before you existed, before the fall of the world, before you were lost in Adam, you were found in Christ. And so Paul says, Jesus came in His grace And God revealed him in me. (laughs) We believe what already is. Listen, we believe what already is, not have faith in something so that we can make it true. I believe what already is. Jesus talked a lot about believing in him. I believe what already is, that I'm already reconciled. I believe that he's revealing me and me in God and God in me. I believe that. I don't use faith to try to get it. I don't go out somewhere and use faith to become. I am unveiling. I believe in Jesus, and he is unveiling who I am. Baxter Kruger said this, According to most uh, modern Western evangelicals, it's not true until you make it so by your faith, and it's only as true as your faith makes it. According to Western evangelicalism, God is not your father, but becomes your father after you repent, say the prayer, have shame and guilt, and go through that process, go through this four spiritual laws, so on and so forth. And then God will become your father. And you have to hold on to it 
and, and live the right way or else you could lose it and lose your salvation. Oh, what a mess. This is such a mess. Western evangelicalism, dear Jesus. And God did not leave us to ourselves. God did not leave you to yourself. How many of you have ever heard of the Church of Nicaea? Okay. How many of you have ever heard of the Nicene Creed? Okay. There is a creed that a bunch of early church fathers, we're talking first century now. So the, the men and women that got together in this room were disciples of the apostles. They got together... And because of the way things were going and that some were beginning to preach another gospel than this gospel uh, that God is already in you and that he's uncovering himself in you. You're going back to your original design, not separation from God. See, it was already that filter that was already starting to come into the church. And so these brothers got together. They had a big meeting. And out of this conference came what's called the Nicene Creed. It has been a foundational creed for the church of Jesus for centuries now. All right. Now, the focus of it the central point of it is this. Placing the one God, there aren't several gods, one God, by the way, Jesus is God, Holy Spirit is God, we don't have three gods, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, placing the one God inside the prior fatherhood of God. And then that this son is the creator of all things, including you. And so God is already your father. That was central to the Nicene Creed. One God. His fatherhood has always existed. You came through creation of his son. All things exist through his son. And you and I are one in Christ with Father. God does not become Father. He already is my Father. I don't want to be crude, but there's... Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Well, I got a daddy. I got a daddy. He's always been my Father. He wasn't ever not my daddy. And I've never not been his son. Now, I've not always acted like I was his son. And I've done a lot of evil. But that did not change what he did for me. And that means that all of this separation business is a lie. 